Marcus Aurelius once said, Men exist for the sake of one another. Keep this in mind as we discuss today the ongoing G20 summit and the recent meeting between President Biden and President Xi and what does it mean for the global order. My name is Dr. David Waralu. And my name is Dr. Ross Stewart. And you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. President Biden meeting with China's president on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Indonesia. Senior officials here say not to expect any new policy announcements today, but there are several contentious issues that will be discussed. A blow to Indonesia's president who had even traveled to Moscow to personally invite Vladimir Putin. If Putin remains absent from the spotlight, that might be welcomed by some G20 member countries, but Putin's war in Ukraine will still dominate the summit. The world is a random, meaningless chaos, or is it? How do some of the best, wealthiest, and most powerful people seem to know what's coming before it happens? Well, one way is that they create the circumstances in their favor, but the other is that they know how to read the world's stage and spot patterns and trends in key areas. They don't get lost in the overwhelm of endless information. They know what's important to pay attention to using their own formulas. And most importantly, they know where to put that information to actually make it usable. Would you like to be able to do the same thing? Well, we have a course that teaches you to do that exact same thing. It's called No Nonsense Politics. So if you want the leg up that some of the world's brightest have, as well as an online community of people who think for themselves just like you, check it out. Link in the description box below. Good to see you, Ross. How was your weekend? Fabulously good, actually. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> Indeed. You know, one of the things we're really dedicated to is looking at trends and patterns. And we do multiple sources of information, divergent opinions, and then look at examples of this is the trend. Now, here's another piece that says this is the trend of where it's going. And I think we're going to emphasize that today as we look at Xi and Biden and the G20 conference. Indeed, well, there's a lot of all the global eyes out on that part of the world in Bali, exactly in Indonesia, where the G20 summit is being held today and will be concluding tomorrow. By the time you watch this video, the, the, the summit will conclude by then. What's interesting about it, Russ, and I am keeping an eye on it, is the final communique. Oh, yeah. I'm out of that. I am a very, very curious to read that transcript once it became public. It's just to see how they're going to be wording, because there's a lot, a lot of issues going on. So, well, first, let's talk about President Biden and President Xi's meeting that took place on Monday. Well, let me say this all sarcastically, because sure. it's a joke. sure. President Biden goes into this meeting with a clear mandate from the American people. Um, how, he did not get a clear mandate. He's, he's, you know, the Democratic Party is holding on by fingernails for any kind of power and control. Mm -hmm. And so that is not a clear mandate as to the people of America really do support him. And he can go take a very firm stand here. Where on the other hand, President Xi now is in his third term. And from what we can tell, he has enor he's enormously popular and has a lot of support. He really does have a mandate to care for the Chinese people. Yeah, yeah. they both come in at the meeting, or they came to the meeting from each one of them, is arguing that I'm coming to the meeting from a position of strength, uh, from Biden's position, because 
the midterm <laughs> elections shows that at least in the Senate, Democrats will hold control. If not, they will even have more. That depends on the outcome of the runoff in December. Yes. Believe it or not. Uh, from Xi's perspective, of course, being granted third term. But do you remember when we did the video last time and we talked about watch for what U.S.-China relations it's going to be now that yes. she has been granted third term. What to me personally, and this is my personal opinion, the meeting that just took place, it's an indication of that. Well, what we have is, from what we can tell, nothing of substance was accomplished in that meeting between Biden and Xi. I agree with you, Ross. It was nothing. Three hours, I don't know what, what was the talk about. You know, uh, I, I did read up some, some uh, uh, information that's been released to the public. I didn't see anything of substance on that. What triggers my curiosity is this. It was a statement by the National Security Advisor, U.S. National Security Advisor uh, Sullivan, uh, is that Biden administration intended to share the content of the meeting with Taiwan, which is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Since when? Because it's a protocol that always has been when a head of state meets, I mean, face to face. Right. That, that information stays there within just the two administrations. But the fact that Biden administration said that they will share the information with Taiwan, China already sort of kind of got upset over this. It's because it's breaking protocol. You know, the Chinese are really good at the protocol thing. Mm -hmm. They're really good at putting together a really good structure and living by it. They're 5,000 years of continuous history, although that's questionable to some degree. Mm -hmm. But it is 5,000 years of tradition. Mm -hmm. And they really do go by tradition. And even as you talk to Chinese Americans, they're still in the tradition mode. And so for, for Biden to say, well, we're, we're going to share it with Taiwan... That is really offensive. Yeah. It, it not only is offensive because of the 100 years of humiliation and the dignity of China, it also goes against basic Chinese thinking that they'd be mm. betrayed like this and they'd break protocol. Yeah. And this is why, a sort of a confirmation for why I believe, in my opinion, the meeting was sort of useless. Well, uh, really, because the key issues, Ross, the key issues, like, for example, tariffs. Oh, yeah. They have not been addressed. Like, for example, the sanctions that's been put now on the chips. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, industry. They have not been addressed. So to me, if you are to say, you, the American side or the Chinese side, for that matter, if you are to say, well, we're going to have to cooperate. OK, where is you're going to have to put that on the table, per se. But none of them came up with some sort of... Uh, and I can see why the Chinese will not do that because it's now upon the U.S. to do that, not the Chinese. That's the way I see it. Uh, because China's going to say, yeah, if you offer something, we'll take a look at it. But if you don't offer anything, we're not going to say anything. And that's exactly what happened. You know, one of the claims that Biden has made is, I am friends with Xi Jinping. We have known each other for many years and interacted so productively. You know, Bali is a hot place. It doesn't need more hot air. Exactly. And that's what Biden has given, given us about yeah. the great friendship. Yeah. Exactly. They do know each other since, uh, as a matter of fact, since both of them were vice presidents. When she, that, that goes back to 2011. Wow. That's how far back. But this is a different relationship than she and Putin. Oh, yeah. It's completely different. So and We're talking about one being a real friendship. Exactly. She yeah. and Putin, and one being an acquaintanceship. 
And this is why I am convinced, uh, and I, this is my own conclusion, that the meeting was of no substance. So, and what's interesting about all this now is that the ongoing meeting of the G20. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is, you know, we keep talking about patterns and trends. Mm-hmm. And so the United States says, well, we need to be, you need to align with us against Putin. Don't invite him. Uh, Ukraine is a whatever. Yeah. And guess what? Well, Indonesia did invite Putin. You know, the President uh, Joko Wadudo said, no, we are extending an invitation to the Russian president if he wants to come in. Of course, Vladimir Putin, President Putin uh, did mention that or, or did send his uh, notification that he will not be attending the meeting. And Sergey Lavrov represented the Russian delegation there. But the fact that countries like Ukraine... Uh, you know, has no economic power whatsoever to be dictating the term that they don't want the Russians to attend, or even the U.S. for that matter. No country, in my opinion, no country should have that sort of dictation, uh, sort of authority, shall we say, to dictate who attends a meeting or summit and who doesn't. It's not, it's not the place of any country. It's the host country that decides. And in this case, Indonesia said to Ukraine and to the U.S., and to the EU or whomever said, no, we are going to invite the Russian president. And the United States could not intimidate them enough to make them behave the way the United States wanted them to. You know, I was recently reading an article about Japan had a, had a number of requests that actually were good for the economy. Mm-hmm. And they came to the United States and said, look, here's what we want. And we really have to have this. They got none of it. Absolutely none of it. And went back humiliated. Mm. The United States said, nope, you're doing it our way, or we'll, ki- mm. we're, we'll economically ruin you. Yeah. I mean, that's not the way you build friendships over time. No. It just isn't the way it's done. So we're looking at more and more influence of the United States eroding worldwide. It is that's in- the pattern and that's the trend. We keep gathering these pieces to add up to that kind of mm. conclusion. Yeah, I remember one day I did a presentation for a private audience. Yes. And among them were some high-ranking military officers. And, and we were talking, I was talking about the patterns as to what you see coming up. And funny enough, we were talking about that part of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I talked about the idea of don't expect moving forward that countries in Asia, whether Southeast Asia or Asia as a whole, to bow to U.S. pressure, that era is gone. And the questions I get, oh, no, no, we do have military support for them. And I said, no, they're going to be looking at it beyond military. They're going to be looking at it from an economic perspective because it's the economic perspective that's going to now dictate the multipolarity in the world. And you take a look at how much trade, especially in Southeast Asia, but it's now many places all over the world, Mm -hmm. is with China and how dependent they are on trade with China. Yeah. Well, actually, Indonesia is one of the largest trading economy in, in Southeast Asia. So. And this, just to piggyback on your points earlier about the patterns, this is why Indonesia went against the U.S. and the EU and decided to go ahead and purchase oil from Russia. <laughs> despite, yeah, because, well, here is the reason. There are reasons for that. Uh, President Joko Wadudo did this because in September... There were demonstrations in the street. And guess what was in his mind? Another Sri Lanka? Oh. You, know, you got a country of 270 million. 
And I admire the guy for, I admire him for that because he looked at after the interest of his people. And he provided the justification to the US and the West by saying, hey, the geopolitical landscape is changing. Energy prices are so high. I can't have my people paying beyond what they can afford. And Russia is willing to sell oil to us at a discounted price. And that's it. That was the argument. And per makes perfect sense. Because he was looking, he, president of Indonesia, he was looking for the interest of his people. And they went ahead with it. So, unlike Germany, for example. Oh, my God. Or France. And, and you get the idea. I almost don't have words to describe how ineffective the German government has been in terms of green energy, in yeah. terms of th dealing with Russia, in terms of dealing with Ukraine. And now the people in Germany, it's now winter. And if you've ever been in Germany in the winter, it's cold. Yeah. Well, speaking of Germany, which we are not hearing, there are demonstrations going on. I just found out about this yesterday. There are ongoing demonstrations as we speak. Uh, same in Italy, same in France. Uh, you, you look at a country like Hungary now. Hungary is... Uh, sort of blocking an aid of the EU to Ukraine for about 18 billion euros. So countries have had it now in Europe. You know, France and Italy are butting head now over immigration, but that spells out trouble for the EU. But this is why, and we want you to get this, guys, anytime the media says, well, it's the unity of the European Union. There is no unity there. <laughs> They're just lying. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom line to it. So no, that, That's shocking. Yeah. So this is where that I see the, the, just to go back to our topic about the G20 and, and their arguments from some members, some Asian countries in the uh, G20. They're saying, because what they want, what uh, the U.S. is suggesting is that the final communique will have a strong language as to opposing Russia. And you know what, what, this, what was their response? No. They said no, because this is an economic forum, not a security one. And rightly so. Because it's not a security summit. It's an economic summit. So, and uh, it makes perfect sense. And I like the fact that they could not be intimidated to do something that was against the whole, it was actually against the whole purpose of the organization. Mm-hmm. To make it to, the, to denounce Russia, say you, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. What well, is seeing also the meeting that took place before G20, which was the ASEAN. Oh, yeah. Which took place in Cambodia. This saw the trend over there. Interesting enough is that in both organizations, in ASEAN and in G20, most of the countries from Asia in G20 want align with the ASEAN members because ASEAN, all of them are Asians. Well, guess what? They all wanted to have neutrality. They're like, no, the U.S., we cannot do this because it's not in our economic interest. And in Indonesia, demonstrated that by agreeing to buy Russian oil. Don't you love it? <laughs> yeah, well, they, they look out for the welfare of their people. <laughs> Pardon me, I find that humorous. But they're actually doing it. They're looking out. And I'd have to question, what, are their, what is the reason for looking out for their people? Because if they look at Sri Lanka, they see massive demonstrations and yeah. economic collapse. Yeah. So they might be doing it just so they can stay in power. But, they might be, but the end result is they're taking positive steps to take care of the well-being of the citizens of their country. Yeah. But also that's a reflection of where the economy is. Oh, yeah. Asia is going to be the center. It is the center. And I think the West is not realizing. Otherwise, how would you explain... 
the trip of the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz to China and cut a deal with the Chinese. Remember recently we talked about consensual validation and groupthink? Oh yeah, that concept, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that what we're seeing is Washington is, is in the midst of that, saying we're still the leading world of power and, and we cannot be dislodged. It's already happening and they're not paying attention and making the correct adjustments yeah. to the new situation. Yeah. What in the U.S. is the, the problem we have is that the politicians, the decision, so-called decision-makers, uh, are, are out of touch with the reality of an average citizen's daily life. Uh, most Americans, uh, average citizens like us, we are average people. Politicians do not think in terms of how those average citizens think. You know, and you look at with the massive debt, you look at now with the interest rate going up, you look at with the inflation, recession, it's coming. You, you just think, okay, what are they thinking? What are those politicians thinking? Why do we need to go and look for far land conflicts when we can take care of our own problems here? And we take a look at how, just how massive the problems here are. And say, we can, these, the money could be much better utilized taking care of the American people. Okay, that group think that's going on in the Senate, going on in the House of Representatives, that's going on in the State Department, it's devastating the lives of American people because they're not paying attention to what's really going on in the world and the needs that we've got. Yeah, it was a question one time about what Americans should do. Oh boy, is that a good question? Yeah, it was. And I was talking to someone and told me, well, what do you think, David? What needs to be done? What can we do? And I said, well, this is not about just one person or two or, ten or three. This is about a whole country. Yeah. You know, but before you do anything, you're going to have to educate yourselves about the issues. I said, we can't, you can't propose a solution until you understand the problem. That's why we keep emphasizing, what are the trends? What are the patterns? How can you really understand what's going on so you can start to predict what's coming? Yeah. What's here now? Well, that's not so easy to figure out. Yeah. What's coming? Well, good information. Now you have at least a prayer of figuring out what to do. Yeah. And you've seen this a lot in your consulting career, Russ. With, oh, my God. How companies, when they approach you to sort of help them out, restructure, or even put the, the top leadership team or whatever. I'm sure you noticed all this throughout your career. One of the number one things I was hired for is to work with the executive team mm -hmm. and let the CEO know who he's got on board or who she's got on board. Because very often they don't know. Wow. Mixed loyalties, mixed uh, skill sets. They didn't know it, and it cost, as I was with one company, it cost them the company. They mm. went down because we couldn't make the changes fast enough. They'd hired, half the executive team was the wrong, wrong group, and they just couldn't do the job. Uh, did they know that they were hiring the wrong people for the job? Only after I told them. Because they brought me in after they'd already made the hires. Oh, after the decision was made. No. After that, many of the companies hired me to come in and evaluate pros prospective employees. By the way, just as an aside. Yeah. For example, I was hired by a board of directors once to evaluate three candidates for the CEO position. And this has happened many, many, many times over the many years I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. And here's how it always broke down. And I, I, the pattern was really amazing to me. One of the three candidates was clearly not even management material. I'm going, holy, and you brought him in? Wow. The second was management material, but he didn't, uh, the person simply was not the right person for the job. 
And then typically there was one person who really could do the job. The first time I saw this, I thought, isn't that interesting? But I saw it over and over and over again. So it's a pattern. It's a pattern. And the point is, they couldn't tell. But it was obvious to me after, you know, you do it 50, 60, 70 times, and it's pretty obvious at that point. So that's what they brought me in. Interesting enough you shared this story, Ross, because it made me now think about, I put this example you provided within the context of what those leaders at G20 could be thinking, especially Asian countries. Because they're going to be thinking now in terms of, okay, what is good for our economy? What is good for our people? What is good for our region? Because I don't see the EU, the European Union, relevant anymore. I don't see, literally, uh, it is my belief that either ASEAN or BRICS or together will overtake the EU soon. And the military might of, of Europe and the United States, you know, that's the end game of an empire, yeah. military, yeah. their economies are shot, the whole, the whole thing about the collapse of an empire, yeah. it isn't going to sustain. For sure. I mean, the, the French army is now in, in Marginal, North Africa. The United States Army is everywhere. Well, the French, by the way, they've been kicked out of France. Yeah, yeah, because the French president, Macron, is saying that, well, we're going to stop our operations in Africa. No, 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 no. (laughs) You've been kicked out of France because even like you take a country like Morocco. Morocco was a French colony. Yeah. Well, guess what? They're changing the language from French into English. Algeria, French colony. They're changing French language into English. So France is, is, is gone. So that tells me just where the trends are headed. And you kind of, uh, I put this within the perspective, the, con- the context of how my, the leaders in, in G20, especially from Asia, will be thinking. And this is why when you look back at the meeting that just took place yesterday between President Biden and President Xi, Nothing else mattered except one issue, Taiwan. Oh. So that keeps coming to the forefront. With good reason. Yeah. And this is why, like we said last time in our previous video, I'm sure, I hope you get a chance to look at the previous video in which we talked about, you know, you have to look now for the U.S.-China relations moving forward that now President Xi has been granted third term. And now President Biden, with the Senate, there's a confirmation that the Democrats will take over. So I don't see anything coming out of good will work out. Uh, it's going to be just the status quo, the way yeah. it is. Uh, nothing's going to... I don't see anything changing. It's nothing but it's just for you know, rhetoric, basically. That's all it is. Because if they really cared... if, if you know, We would have talked about the tariffs, for example. Right. We would have talked about the this uh, war on, on microchips, you know, we would have, t- there, there were some other issues that we could have talked about, but. You know, one of the, as, as I observe, continue to observe China, mm. they are certainly not a perfect society, not a perfect government. They've got enormous problems, yeah. but at the same time, they're at least saying out loud in words, we're not going to militarize, we're not going to export military, our military might. Yeah. We've got so many issues to deal with. How about you come work with us? At least they're saying it. Yeah. I just read this morning, uh, a research just came out about the demographics. What do you expect moving forward? Do you know, Ross, by the way, 
Today, we've reached 8 billion people on Earth. Whoa! Just today. Yeah, I just found that out this morning. And what they are predicting, the social scientists, basically, that deal with demographers and yes. so forth, you know, believe it or not, Africa will be the next hub for demographics. Africa has about, you know, 1.4 billion. You know, they're expecting uh, Africa to be about 3.4 to 4 billion within the next uh, two decades or three. And, you know, you take a look at, at Nigeria and some of these countries that have mushrooming well, populations. Yeah. And the rest of the world is shrinking while they're yeah, they, mushrooming yeah. up into a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Well, it would be interesting. This is why we wanted to come on the air here and, and, and just provide some insights into how we see this G20 summit rolling out. And as we said, we'll be very, very curious to read the final communique. By the time you watch this video, the, the summit will, will be, would have been concluded. And it will be interesting just to see. The and we'll see if the patterns and trends that we've been putting together exactly. actually come to fruition when we look at that document. Exactly, Ross. Any final thought, Ross, before we close this out? Uh, not for today. That's it. <laughs> as always, uh, prepare yourself for a change in global order. Till next time. Bye-bye.